Today on Sexually Woke with Dr. Susan, I'm talking about some myth-busting regarding myths about hormone replacement therapy, as well as just reminding us of all of the benefits of hormone replacement therapy after menopause. Hi, and thanks for joining me on today's episode of Sexually Woke with me, Dr. Susan. And today it's just me, and I wanted to share some really cool things about all of the misconceptions about hormone replacement therapy, because I get asked about this all the time. So a few weeks ago, I had a really great conversation with uh, Dr. Johnny Pete. And you can look back on the list of podcasts and maybe check that out. One of the things that we touched on in that interview was uh, this subject of the misconceptions about hormone replacement, but we didn't really get to dig into it very much. So I'm just going to kind of summarize that for you today because there's so much misconception and so much lack of education. And I will tell you, it's also very much on the part of doctors who don't know much about this either. And I've mentioned this lots of times in the past. It's not their fault. We do not get taught anything much at all about hormone replacement or managing menopause or sexual wellness or any of that stuff when we're in medical school or even in residency. So just as a word of caution, don't expect your gynecologist to know anything about this because chances are they don't, and that's okay because we're all modern women, so we have to be our own advocates. And if you don't hear what you think is true or it doesn't sound right, then you just have to keep searching for someone like me or Dr. Johnny Pete, or depending where you live, someone who is very knowledgeable about hormone replacement because there's so much to know. You know, when I would say uh, regular OBGYN doing what regular OBGYNs do, I was delivering babies, I was doing surgery, I was doing all these things. I just didn't have time really to be up to date um, and actively learning about something that's such a huge field. So that being said, um, let's talk about hormone replacement therapy. So just as a little refresher, it's always good when we're talking about hormone replacement to just remember a few very basic facts. As we all know, uh, when we go through menopause, which is when we stop having periods and our ovaries stop producing hormones and we stop releasing eggs, we lose three major hormones from our ovaries. One is estradiol, which is the primary estrogen that women make in our ovaries. One is progesterone, which is the hormone that supports pregnancy. It's progestational. And the other one is testosterone. So starting with that basic knowledge, we, we lose those three hormones. Now, a little bit more on that. We completely lose the estrogen and the progesterone. And that's what menopause is. When we stop ovulating, we essentially have no estrogen or progesterone after that, like generally zero. It's a little bit different for testosterone. The ovaries do continue to produce a little bit of testosterone sometimes, not always. I can tell you in my case, when I did my lab work, when I was postmenopausal, maybe around 50-ish, I had like zero, 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 which is quite common, uh, undetectable levels of all three of those hormones prior to being treated. But we do sometimes see that some women do produce a little bit of testosterone. So just that caveat, testosterone is a little bit different because it's not directly related to our ov ovulatory cycle. It just declines with age. So for men and women, testosterone declines starting at about age 25 or 30. 
So it's more of a slow decline where is the estrogen and progesterone is like a woo crash, had some, gone, it's zero. So this is where we're starting from, right? This very hormonally depleted state. And so why would we want to do anything about that? Well, lots of reasons. First of all, most of us feel like crap. <laughs> and so that's important. Um, many of you have heard my story, which is shared by most women who are in the 45 to 55-year-old age group. When this happens, and sometimes even for years before the hormones completely disappear, these changing hormones, which are going in a downward direction, uh, cause all kinds of havoc on our lives. And I've said this so many times. I mean, for me, menopause was like a crisis beyond imagination, just like everything didn't work right. And so replacing those hormones, simply putting back what was there before. And as you know, the goal is to replace hormones using something that's biologically identical to what's in your own system or what was in your own system. So bioidentical hormones are simply hormones that look biologically identical to what we used to make in our own body. So when we take this, not a drug, it's a natural hormone, and I'll get into what the word natural means in a minute. It's a natural hormone that um, doesn't require any extra work by your body to get rid of all kinds of other, you know, side products and junk that would be in lots of other synthetic chemicals that we might take. So bioidentical hormones. Now, um, just getting into the word natural versus synthetic, the only way that these hormones would be you know, purely natural, if you're a purist, would be if we took them out of another human, and that's illegal, and so we don't do that. Uh, but the way these are uh, obtained is that they do come from a plant source. So there's a plant precursor from several plants like wild yams, for example, and some others. And then a very clever chemist can take that precursor and then manipulate it in the lab to look exactly, exactly, exactly like estradiol, progesterone, and testosterone. So the word natural is a marketing term, but in this context, it means it looks exactly like what you used to make in your own body. And secondly, it comes from a plant source. So that's what that means. So all hormones are synthetic because they have to be made from something, right? We don't just dig them out of the ground and put them in our body. That's not how it works. Uh, but they do uh, come from a plant source and then they're synthesized to look like human hormones. So don't be confused by these marketing terms where people say things like, well, you need to take hormones from this very expensive compounding pharmacy because those synthetic hormones are terrible and these ones are natural. Well, that is just not true. Anything that is estradiol is by definition bioidentical. Anything that's progesterone is by definition bioidentical. Same with testosterone. That's what they are. And you can get them from a compounding pharmacy or you can get them from Walgreens or CVS or anywhere you want to. And they're exactly the same stuff. So nothing wrong with any of those choices, but just to say that the idea that one is better than another or that um, I hear all the time, well, I need to take these bioidentical hormones from the compounding pharmacy because that synthetic stuff is bad for you. That is just um, marketing gibberish nonsense. Uh, people trying to manipulate us into spending more money on things that really are exactly the same thing. So be careful. Um, just be educated and be careful 
not to, you know, be misled into buying something that isn't really what it's advertised to be. And there's nothing wrong with compounded hormones. That's a legitimate way to get bioidentical hormones, but it's just one of the options. So now we know about the three hormones that either disappear or drop to quite low levels. Why would we want to take them? Okay, so I already said without them, most of us feel terrible. So what kinds of feeling terrible do we have? In my case, I had the whole list. Many of you might have some of these hot flashes, night sweats. Those are predominantly due to low estrogen, terrible, awful, you can't sleep, it feels terrible. Uh, vaginal dryness, also related to low estrogen. That's not good because it leads to pain within a course, and that's just a deal breaker for a great sex life. Dropping progesterone causes sleep issues, mood swings. I'll go back to sleep issues because insomnia is a really big problem for menopause and perimenopause. And the common pattern is you fall asleep and then you wake up a couple hours later and can't go back to sleep. Um, so progesterone is also really good for your nails, your hair, your skin. You might remember those of you who've been pregnant. We had buckets of progesterone when we were pregnant and we had this lovely hair and our skin was great and our nails were thick. And a lot of that has to do with progesterone. And then as a side note, progesterone also prevents uterine cancer. So that's cool. But even if you don't have a uterus, it's still good for that other stuff. And then testosterone, which has been largely ignored for many years as a necessary part of the hormone replacement picture, is really vital for uh, maintaining and allowing us to continue to keep our muscles intact. One of the everybody has problems uh, around this time is that we lose muscle mass. A lot of that is due to reducing our testosterone level. So without testosterone, we lose muscle. We feel tired. We feel weak. So then we don't want to go to the gym. And then we lose more muscle and we get more fat. And then we get more not wanting to go to the gym. And so this is a very common cycle where people will say, I gained weight. I didn't do anything differently. Um, predominantly it's around the middle because um, this is a place that we store fat just from a biological um, evolutionary adaptation. Storing fat around the middle is what animals do when they're going to go into hibernation. It's a reaction to stress. So this hormone deprivation and sleep deprivation is very stressful for our body. So our cortisol level goes up, which is one of our primary stress hormones. And cortisol is very clever because it thinks that we're sleeping with one eye open. We're a cave person waiting to be attacked by the next group over. And so it keeps us in a constant fight or flight situation and it causes us to get fat because that would be a really good idea if you were about to be in some type of a starvation situation. So body's so clever, but hey, we don't really need that anymore. And cortisol is really bad for us in lots of other ways. So all of those things. So testosterone, going back to that again, is also very closely related to sex drive for many women and men. So testosterone replacement for men is also very important. So that's a little bit of a different topic, but this is for everybody. But since we're talking about women, and I had this experience myself and thousands of my patients would share the same, that somewhere in our 40s, our sex drive typically drops and it can drop to a point where it's gone, where we just could not care less if we ever had sex again. And that's generally not a very healthy state of affairs if we're in relationship. And even if we're not in relationship, when we lose our sex drive, we lose a part of ourselves. 
And so my whole philosophy of life is that we want to live in our full aliveness. And it's very difficult to do that when you're living in a state of hormone depletion. So that was a little summary of why we want to replace these three very important hormones. And then let's talk about the misconceptions, which is how I started this uh, conversation about hormones. Because um, if I play a little game with you, and the game would be estrogen causes blank. And if we played this game with 100 people, and even if 50 of them were doctors, I would bet you lunch that the majority of people would say breast cancer, right? Estrogen, breast cancer. That's where our minds go frequently, and lots of doctors' minds go there too. And it's a really interesting story about how that lie developed in our culture. Um, And the short version is, A, that's not true. Estrogen does not cause breast cancer. Estradiol um, has been shown in many, 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 many studies to not cause breast cancer. It's neutral for breast cancer. It doesn't cause it. It doesn't change the incidence. You know, the incidence in the United States of breast cancer throughout our life is one in eight. So lots of people get breast cancer, and some of them took hormones, but most of them didn't. So if you have a friend, and a patient told me this the other day, she said, well, I have a friend who started taking hormones, and the next year she got breast cancer, so I don't want to take hormones. That's just not very good logical reasoning. So let's be smart because we're really smart. And just because something happened and then something else happened doesn't mean that they are related. So back to 2002, and we talk about this a lot on this podcast because it's really, really important that everybody knows about this. So in 2002, those of us who are old enough to remember, I remember the day this happened because it was like a crisis for all OB-GYN physicians. Um, the Women's Health Initiative study, which remains the largest study ever to have been done on hormone replacement, and it will always probably be the largest study ever done because it was a gigantic, very expensive flop for the company that was paying for it, and it's um, been a big disaster ever since. So it's not something that these things are funded by drug companies, just saying. So drug companies are a little bit wary of uh, funding these kind of studies anymore because that did not turn out well for Wyeth Ayerst, who made the awful, horrible product called Premarin and Provera, which were the drugs that were used in that study. So Premarin, many of you know, because I've told you before, Premarin is derived from horse urine. It's a type of estrogen, which is not biologically identical to human estrogen. In fact, it's um, not even hidden in the name. It's pregnant mare's urine. I would have been a little bit clever about trying to hide such a horrible, awful thing if I were them, but they just just put it right out there. So they were giving women pregnant mare's urine, which has lots of estrogen in it. And don't get me started on what they have to do to the horses to achieve this stuff. But anyway, it's still made, so please don't take it. And if you do take it, please stop. Um, but that being said, in 2002, the Women's Health Initiative study, which had been going for a little while, was abruptly stopped because the uh, people running the study concluded that the risks were too high to continue the study. And what were the risks? Um, Initially, the risks that they were looking at included breast cancer and blood clot, heart disease, and stroke. 
So this was on the front page of Time magazine. It was on the front page of every newspaper. It was everywhere reported, stop your hormones. Hormones will kill you. They'll give you breast cancer, heart disease, stroke. And so everybody stopped their hormones in 2002. And then we started to, you know, not quite swing so hard in that direction, but stop and really look at what was happening. In that study, the patients who had an increased risk of breast cancer were not the patients taking estrogen. In fact, the patients taking estrogen, even that yucky, awful, horrible Premarin stuff, worst kind of stuff ever, and even in that worst case scenario, they did not have an increased risk of breast cancer. And if you ask 100 doctors, probably five of them or less would know that. And the other 95 would think that Premarin causes breast cancer because we don't have time to read every study in the world. Let's just say that. But this was one of the most important studies ever done in women's health. Uh, and I would say that in a negative way, the most detrimental study ever done for women's health. 15 years later in 2017, one of the authors, after following this group of women for 15 years, was very, very clear about the fact that there was no increased risk of any kind of cancer, breast cancer or any kind, because, you know, what happened is, you know, we t- is this human nature? We take this small amount of truth and then we just expand it uh, to what is way beyond what's true. So there was an initial fear that estrogen caused breast cancer. And then it got repeated and I heard, not does estrogen cause breast cancer, but hormones cause cancer, like much bigger. That's a much bigger statement, which is absolutely not true. But many of us grew up thinking hormones cause cancer. When actually it was the Provera, which is the other awful, horrible drug that was in that study that was associated with cancer, not the estrogen. So just a very interesting study in uh, human nature, human miscommunication, and, and then just the terrible things that can happen when these type of things are miscommunicated. Uh, the cohort of women in that particular generation, this is almost 20 years ago, who were taken abruptly off their hormones are now suffering a much higher risk of lots of diseases, including Alzheimer's disease, hip fracture, colon cancer, sexual dysfunction due to vaginal dryness and pain. So that was a very sad experiment that was done on that generation of women, and we just need to stop and not do that anymore. So if your mind or your friend's mind or your doctor's mind, when you play that game, says estrogen, breast cancer, now you are armed with knowledge to say, hey, you know what? Actually, that is not true. That's a common misconception. It's been proven even in the Women's Health Initiative study from 2002 that estrogen does not increase the risk of breast cancer and multiple other studies since have shown the same thing. So now you're smarter than almost all of your friends, which is very cool. Now, one little caveat is that estrogen does make most breast cancers grow faster. doesn't make them appear, but if you get breast cancer, it does make most breast cancers grow faster because most breast cancers are what we call estrogen receptor positive. So if you should be unlucky enough to get breast cancer and you're taking hormones, we simply stop the estrogen. Maybe not forever, but for the period of time during which you're being treated. And we don't start a patient on estrogen until we've made sure she has a normal mammogram because we don't want to give estrogen to someone who has an early breast cancer. So those are things that we have to be careful about. But again, estrogen does not cause breast cancer. 
it does make it grow faster. But when, if you, God forbid, find out you have breast cancer, we just stop the estrogen and then you get your treatment. Now, you don't have to stop your hormones. That This is, again, where hormones are sort of thrown together as a word that just includes every kind of hormone. There's tons and tons of emerging data. A very, very well-known uh, physician, Dr. Rebecca Glazer, tons of research on testosterone in breast cancer patients. Um, not only is it safe for breast cancer patients who are actively uh, being treated for breast cancer to take testosterone, but it can mitigate the horrible symptoms that many women suffer with breast cancer, like vaginal dryness, vaginal pain, hot flashes, night sweats, just by taking testosterone. It also dramatically helps with bone loss because when you stop taking estrogen and you have because you have breast cancer, your bones start going into a decline, which can ultimately lead to fracture. And hip fracture is a terrible problem for elderly people, especially women. Um, 50% of women who are elderly and have a hip fracture will die within the next year because of all of the downward cycle that happens when you become immobilized. Um, so we don't want that. So breast cancer patients don't have to stop their hormones. That's, that's again, just a misuse of language. They do generally need to stop their estrogen, but they don't need to stop testosterone or usually even progesterone. So, so that's another misconception. So now we know that estrogen doesn't cause breast cancer. If we play that game again, estrogen causes breast cancer. Of course, that's going to pop up. Another thing that your doctors or friends might tell you is, well, I heard that estrogen causes blood clot, heart disease, and stroke. And that, again, is uh, information that came from that very old and very bad study published in 2002 called the Women's Health Initiative. And in that study, they did show that uh, women who took estrogen or the Prempro combination, estrogen with you know, Premarin with Provera, had an increased risk of blood clot, heart disease, and stroke compared to women who didn't. And that is true. And that did happen. And it was a very, very small increase. But that is 100% and entirely related to the fact that it was taken by mouth. So subsequently, since um, hormone replacement has shifted to being delivered in a non- oral form that's not by mouth, and that would be a hormone pellet, which everyone knows is my favorite, and I have one in my bottom right now, or a patch or a cream or an injection or any kind of way that avoids your stomach. There is no increased risk in blood clot, heart disease, or stroke. And if you want to be really nerdy, you can look up the British Medical Journal in 2019. There was a very big study that looked at all of the different delivery methods of estrogen, including bioidentical estradiol, Premarin, every option given by mouth and then not given by mouth. And long story short, any kind of estrogen given by mouth, including bioidentical estradiol, increases the risk of blood clot slightly. And of course, that would go along with heart disease and stroke because those are related illnesses. And then any kind of not by mouth form, even Premarin, does not increase the risk of those things. So now you're even smarter than your friends and most of your doctors. And if they say those things, you can be educated and say, you know, I understand why you think that because that came out of the Women's Health Initiative study, but that actually has just got to do with the oral administration. And now that it's not given orally, that is not a thing. That risk is eliminated. 
So we've eliminated the risk of breast cancer. Well, it never existed, but we've eliminated the thought that there was an increased risk of breast cancer. And we've eliminated the actual increased risk of blood clot because now we don't take it by mouth. And so what are the risks of taking hormones? Well, I'm going to agree with my very good friend, Johnny Pete, when we talked a few weeks ago. Uh, I do not worry about the risks of hormones, but I worry a lot about the risks of not taking hormones because we know with absolute certainty that women who are hormone depleted for many years have an increased risk of some very, very important diseases, including Alzheimer's disease. We don't want that. Hip fracture. We already talked about that one. Terrible. Colon cancer. And then something relatively new. Um, it, there's a lot of data coming out now and over the next few years that looks like we're going to be able to state, and we can't quite do it yet, but it looks like we will be able to state this soon, that testosterone actually decreases the incidence of breast cancer. And in that case, if you're a patient like me who's taking estradiol and testosterone together, overall, your risk of breast cancer actually will be lower. So this is very hard to accept because we've been hearing for 19 years that estrogen causes breast cancer, and now we're telling you the opposite. Well, that just shows you that science isn't true, right? It's just true right now. <laughs> we, it changes all the time. So what we thought we knew 19 years ago, we know a lot more now. So as a physician, and I will just tell you, because I am a physician, so I can criticize physicians, I guess. It's very, very difficult for some of us to admit that we were wrong or to say, hey, yeah, I was practicing that and that's not good and I need to change my practice. I think that's just part of human nature. Many of us really like to be right and doctors seem to like that more than most people because it attracts that personality type. So just know this when you're talking to your physicians that they're human beings with personality types and many of them, like me, I used to really have a problem letting go of being right, but I'm getting better at that. And, you know, we have to change and say, shoot, yeah, I used to think it caused those things, but now I've learned more and now I'm totally telling you the opposite because the data supports it. And I went to, you know, very fancy med school, uh, studied evidence-based medicine, don't practice any type of medicine that isn't supported by very reputable studies. And I will tell you with absolute certainty that I'm not worried about the risks of hormone replacement. And I'm very worried about the risks of not taking hormone replacement. So we've debunked those big myths about estrogen regarding breast cancer, heart disease, stroke, blood clot. You can just take those off the list of things to worry about. Progesterone just doesn't have anything to worry about. You can take a bath in it. It doesn't harm you. you ha like I said, you had masses of it when you were pregnant. It's sort of the happy hormone, I guess, and to be very you know, silly about it, but helps you sleep. It helps your moods. That one you actually can take by mouth because it's very gentle on the liver. It doesn't cause any of the issues that estrogen does when taken by mouth. So that's a no-brainer. Everyone should take just uh, progesterone, helps you sleep, makes you nicer, helps with moods, also prevents uterine cancer. So that's cool if you have a uterus, good for your hair, nails, all that good stuff. And then let's come back to testosterone because, um, again, if I asked you about, you know, testosterone, what, what do you think of next? Most people would say, if I said, okay, testosterone in women causes 
what? And, and most people would say acne, hair growth, male pattern, hair loss, big giant Arnold Schwarzenegger muscles, all kinds of masculine things. That's a common misconception. Well, that doesn't happen <laughs> if it's dosed correctly. So we've had testosterone in our bodies our whole life. The idea, and Johnny and I talked about this a few weeks ago, the idea that testosterone is a male hormone and estrogen is a female hormone is just a little bit of a not quite completely true statement. Men and women both have estrogen and men and women both have testosterone. Now the levels are different, but both of us need both hormones. Men need estrogen. Women need testosterone. Men don't need as much as we do and we don't need as much testosterone as men do, but it's very important that we have both of these hormones in our systems, men and women. So we already talked about a couple of things that happen for women when testosterone declines. We lose muscle. Uh, many of us know that when we lose muscle, our basal metabolic rate goes down. That may means we don't burn as many calories at rest. So this is why people say, oh, I gained 10 pounds this year and I don't know why I didn't do anything differently. Well, your metabolism slowed down. And one of the reasons is that your testosterone dropped and your muscle mass dropped and your fat percentage went up. And all of those things are not good for you. Plus, you don't like it because most of us don't like gaining weight. And then we feel depressed. And then we don't want to have sex because we don't like our bodies and that whole shebang of symptoms that we talk about here a lot. So testosterone replacement, when it's given appropriately by somebody who knows what they're doing, like me or Dr. Pete or several other people. In fact, if you're not in Houston, and um, or even if you are, BioT, uh, B-I-O-T-E, is a very reputable company that makes the bioidentical hormones that are in the most widely accepted type of hormone pellet. And if you go to their website, which is biot.com, B-I-O-T-E.com, you can find a provider who's trained in bioidentical hormone replacement in your area. You just put in your zip code and pops up. So there are lots of doctors who are well-trained in this, by the way. So you can find them. That was just a little side note. But you do need to go to somebody who knows how to dose it correctly because absolutely true, just like anything. If I gave you the wrong dose, you wouldn't feel good. And the whole point of this is to help you to feel better and to feel stronger and have more energy and more muscle mass and better sex drive. So uh, hormones are like soup. I say this a lot, you know, soup, meaning everything's all blended together. You can't just change one without it changing everything. You know, when you put salt in soup, if it doesn't have enough, it's not good. If it has too much, it's not good. So it's got to be, you know, in a very tight range for us to feel optimal. So yes, you don't want to get too much testosterone. You will have some of those things. You could have acne, hair growth, male pattern hair loss. You could have clitoral enlargement or even voice deepening and all kinds of things that would be very not good. But that would be if it's dosed incorrectly. So in my practice, we don't get complaints about testosterone or being ex exceedingly rare um, because our patients feel great and I take it myself and my skin's great and my muscles are great. And so it's just a matter of dosing it correctly. So the myth that testosterone is for men is incorrect. We've had testosterone our whole lives. And I say this a lot in the office and sometimes even on this podcast. And we're about a thousand times, 10,000, I don't know how many thousand times more complex than a Ferrari, say, for example, and I don't have a Ferrari, but I'm guessing if I had one, I would really 
be very careful to put the very best gasoline in it, the very best synthetic oil, the very best whatever else bits and pieces of Ferrari needs. And if I didn't do that, it would still go, but it wouldn't go very fast, right? It wouldn't be racing around the track optimally. It would be sort of putting along. And that's the same thing that happens when we take the hormones out of our system. We're, we're not supplying our brains, our muscles, our vaginas, our skin with the very important um, tools that are needed to run optimally. So estrogen, testosterone, progesterone are absolutely necessary for our bodies to run optimally. So why do we spend more time and money taking care of our cars than our bodies? That's a really good question, but we need to do it. We don't remember things. I felt like my IQ dropped by 100 points. I didn't feel smart. I didn't feel sharp. I didn't feel energetic or youthful or optimistic or any of the things that are associated with a good quality of life when my hormones were depleted. And uh, most of my patients tell me the same thing. Now, if you're one of the very lucky, lucky women who have truly gone through menopause and this once in a while happens, a patient will say, I don't feel bad at all. I feel fine. I don't have any of those things that you just said. So I don't need hormones. And my argument would be, well, I'm so glad you feel great. That's fag- you know, fabulous news. But you might feel great, and I'm glad that you do, but your body is not feeling great. And, and you can't tell when you're developing osteoporosis, it's silent. And you can't tell when you're developing Alzheimer's disease, it's silent. And you can't tell when you're developing colon cancer, that is silent. So even if you feel great, and this is a little bit of a change from what I was taught 20 years ago, we were taught just to treat symptoms. But now we know that lots of chronic diseases, including those really big important ones that I mentioned, are reduced when we take hormones. So even if you feel great, you still should take hormone replacement because we're trying to create a healthy older person too. I mean, fantastic if you feel great in the present. I mean, I didn't, but thrilled if other people do. But we've also got to think about your future because when you develop those diseases, once you've got osteoporosis and dementia like my mom, who's 87, there's not much we can do at that point. These things have to be prevented 10, 20, 30 years before they happen. So there's that. And then the last bit of really exciting news that's going to become much more talked about over the next years is longevity. So there's tons of research and excitement going on in the field of longevity medicine. And there's lots and lots to talk about about that. But one of the ways that we can get an idea of how long someone is going to live is by looking at these things called telomeres. Telomeres are the little end caps on our DNA. Um, I've heard somebody say they're like the plastic ends on your shoelaces. They're the protective ends on our DNA that keep our cells from going into what's called senescence or old age, which is associated with every single disease process that you can think of. So it's a very exciting idea that if we could do something that improved this process of senescence, then we could live longer with a higher quality of life and get rid of a lot of those diseases that happen just as a function of age. And so everybody's looking for the um, 
you know, the magic bullet, like the thing, what's the pill I can take to improve my telomeres? What's the pill I can take to make me live longer? And there's several candidates and they're being studied, things like metformin and various other things. And so we might have some answers to that shortly. But one of the things that has been shown in many, many studies to improve telomere length, which is what we you know, want to make sure these things are not broken, that they're intact, that they're long, is estradiol. If you just Google estradiol and telomere length, you'll see tons of articles supporting this fact that estradiol for men and women is associated with improved telomere length, and that will, in the future, be associated with longevity. And I just think that's great because I like living and I'd like to live a long time. But I definitely don't want to live a long time if I have Alzheimer's disease and a hip fracture. So we want to improve longevity, but also um, have high quality of life. And so hormone replacement gives us both of those things. Now, it's one of the many things that improves telomere length. There's some other pretty cool ones that have been proven to do that, like meditation for real. People who meditate more have longer telomeres. It's fascinating, but true. And that is probably because they are less stressed. So their cortisol is lower and cortisol is terrible for longevity. It's bad for everything, including your telomere length. So meditation, low body fat. We all know that one, but you got to keep your body fat low to live a long time. If you look at all the examples of people who have lived to be over 100 or even over 120, uh, they share a couple things in common. One of them is that they're thin. <laughs> so there's that. And of course, exercise, healthy diet, all that stuff. But we're talking about hormones. So women do not get any estradiol after menopause unless they take some replacement. Okay, so just keep that in mind. We don't make any anymore, zero. Now, men, interestingly, do have some estrogen in their system throughout their life because we all, men and women, convert some of our testosterone into estradiol. So the only way men get estradiol is from conversion of their own testosterone into estradiol. So if you're a guy and you have really low testosterone, which is very common as we age. In fact, it's pretty much ubiquitous. Everybody does. You're going to have less estrogen. And so that's the thing. So improving testosterone for men has lots of great effects for muscle mass, energy, sex drive, erectile dysfunction, all those things. But it also gives you a little bit of estrogen. You don't want too much. Again, going back to the soup idea, you just want enough, but not too much. That could improve your longevity. So that's a cool thing. Now, women, of course, we have to take it, or women who are not able to take estrogen can get some estrogen from conversion from testosterone. So if you're, say, a breast cancer patient and you're taking testosterone, you're going to get a little bit of estradiol from that and or some other patients who just choose to only take testosterone are going to get a little bit of estradiol from that. So it improves your telomeres. Again, probably going to help with longevity. Um, so that's exciting. And that's something that you might not know because um, I didn't know that until last week. So that's just a little exciting thing about learning because um, I have to be learning constantly to keep up with this stuff. The research and the data is so exciting and changing so fast um, that uh, Johnny, Pete, and I were just talking about this, and we were looking up some studies together no more than a few days ago and found out that estrogen is associated with improved telomere length. And how do you know how long your telomeres are? Well, you can check. And in fact, in my office, 
it's a test that can be done. It's a blood test and you send it off to a specialized lab and then they send you back the results. And if if they're very good, well, that's great. You keep doing what you're doing. And if they're not so good, then you can really get serious about implementing some of those things we talked about, like low body fat, exercise, making sure your hormones are good, um, meditating or some other kind of stress reduction, all of those things. So finding out how long your telomeres are is a pretty cool thing to do. And so we do that in my office. Um, any doctor who offers a test called SpectraCell can do that test for you. So why not? I recommend that we do that. And that is enough for today, I think. So I hope you got some really good information. You can go out into the world and be smarter than almost all of your friends and most of your doctors and be healthy, happy, and live life after 50 um, even better than it was before. 